Welcome back to another episode of the High Creativity Podcast. You're now tuned in, locked into the one and only J Uncle Juju St. Paul. And who do I have joining me in the building today? Always and always-ish, and that's all you're getting at this moment. As per usual, short and brief. And we're going to introduce our absolutely amazing and talented guest today who we've got on the High Creativity Podcast in collaboration and powered by I Am Hip Hop Magazine. But we're going to do our usual plugs and let me get my share screen up to let you guys know where all of the fun stuff is. So, once he wants to load, are you going to load? Are we going to load? We're going to find out. It's not responding. It's gonna respond. We don't. This is the problems with um internet people. I'm just gonna tell you that now. Technology is 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 great when it works. It's better than sliced bread. But when it doesn't, it's a massive pain in the backside. Yeah, I said it right. So so just waiting for that to go go for that. Uh, it's like the throwback AOL days with the old school modem. MSN Messenger and dial-up, boy. For real, for real. I'm not even going to front on that basis at all, man. I remember that. Like, literally one computer per household and a screen used to be literally like a brick's worth. To be Actually, not even a brick. It was more like a cinder block's worth yeah. of things as it goes, man. Boy. Ah. But I remember the good old days. Remember everyone used to pop up on that when there was chat rooms? Oh, actually, I'm yeah. not sure if people have good memories about chat rooms now that I think I about it. Room. Yes. <laughs> 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 when people uh, so okay this is just, just to bring it up to people if they actually remember this this if you know this acronym then i definitely mess with you on different levels asl yes what is it what does asl stand for a uh that's a good jeopardy question yeah but i do age it. sex location brah for real for real those yes. are those days wow. <laughs> Right, yeah. so we finally got it up and running, people. So if you're listening on Spotify, make sure you go check out the YouTube um, so you can actually see all of these visual bits and bobs as well. But as always, shouting out um, IamHipHopMagazine.com for all the latest hip-hop news, releases, interviews. You can check out the old I Am Hip Hop podcast, which we posted on the Global Faction site, or you can go to the... YouTube side, which I'll touch on to in just a bit. And you can also find the links to the I Am Hip Hop magazine issue six, which was designed by myself, the digital edition. Or maybe you want to go copy yourself a physical copy, which we are shipping to the UK. It's £2.50 and a £2 delivery charge on top. We're the ones who package in this and get it sent out to you. As you can see, look how beautiful it is. It's so artistic. That's exactly the depths that I reach to when I do this. Or you could catch yourself some I Am Hip Hop merchandise that are ready. Um, usually this does populate. So once again, internet problems don't forget as well the metro fest which is happening on the 8th of august that'll be on a sunday we've got an absolutely amazing lineup with a variety of tents for all types of needs you've got jungle you've got your hip-hop you've got your capital extra where you've got all your classics like your fat joe black street eve maya bobby v john b tony touch fat man scoop look i'm putting my radio voice on you know you want to hire me for these bits don't you yes i know you do and also i'm djing there uncle juju um we still have some early bird tickets i believe so make sure you go copy yourself some tickets right here check out a deeper set of the lineup and look man we've even got a comedy tent man we've got the likes of dizzle man we've got slim we've got cat we've got kane brown we've got legends in the building and of course the one and only Richard Blackwood. It's going to be one amazing event thing. I'm not even going to curse it. We're going to say it's going to be an amazing event and it's definitely yeah. going to happen. So we said, if you want to go check out our I Am Hip Hop 
previous um, podcast collaboration with High Creativity, then go check us out on YouTube so you can find us at the I Am Hip Hop, all one word space, magazine. And you can also check out the No Name podcast where we started and we've interviewed some absolutely amazing people, had some really great discussions. But just to let you guys know, that we will be posting on the I, um, High Creativity sorry, YouTube page when it's just me, Stats, and Ish now going forward, or Stats slash Des Evra. And make sure you guys go check that out. Further from that, you can also, if you don't have, you don't want to watch us on YouTube because you don't want to see our absolutely amazing profiles and faces, maybe you want to go and just listen to us whilst you're on your drive. I think as Des said it as well, we're the perfect um, driving you know, conversation yeah. listeners. Go yes. check us out there. We're on Anchor dot fm forward slash high creativity all the links to where we are whether it's spotify you like your google or whatever version that we have apple's still a bit of a problem and we'll figure that out now if that was all too much for you finishing up you can just go to my link tree so that's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash high creativity we're going to make that a jingle soon trust me um you can go check out all those links metrofest from the website that is not the noun that's ish's amazing project and what he does for the father community and you can check out our partner sites and also for just just everything's just there and all my social links are there at the bottom now enough of all the plugs advertisements and all of that good stuff now let's get into the crux the meat the reason why we are all here today we're now introducing yeah, the one the only otis mentor me, 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 me. thank you guys so much for having me appreciate it no i appreciate it appreciate it man how you um how you keeping today there king you all good I'm doing good. I'm uh, trying to survive. Uh, trying to trying to stay uh, stay creative, stay preoccupied through it all, you know. But um, I'm blessed to be alive. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that you're alive, and I'm glad that yeah. you're here too. So it looks sure. like we're all winning here today, for real. For sure. real. Right. <laughs> right. So what I usually like to do, just because we do have a, as you can tell, I'm here from the UK. Issues there in the states. That's what's quite very unique about what we do on this platform, and we just like to have the conversations because we are people at the end of the day. But for anyone who might not know you, I'm interested in your past. So let's start from young. What was it like growing up for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, there's a lot. I guess. Um, I guess my earliest memories, uh, when when I think about my autistic journey, can naturally be traced back to teenagehood. Uh, I think a lot of us end up getting stuck uh, memory-wise on those teenage years. I don't know whether whether something happened traumatic or whether something happened that was that was uh, surprising and interesting and new that led to a pathway of a, of a life. But I definitely got stuck when thinking about my artistic journey on my teenage years, though it probably goes back way before. So, um, yeah, I just remember being in school. Uh, I remember desperately searching for an expressionistic outlet of some sort, you know? Um, I was dealing with maybe depression, anxiety, a lot of like identity angst, being from the north of England, uh, being black, mixed race from the north of England, but not not sure exactly who I was and not sure, you know, being racialized, perhaps being othered from time to time. Um, so being confused and yeah, not understanding systems of oppression and also not understanding where I fit into um, the world, really. So. Uh, I was in need of some sort of outlet, some form of outlet. Uh, being from the UK in school when I was, uh, it was natural for me to, to sort of come across grime music. That was a beautiful thing. Uh, we were writing raps on the back of school books, clashes in the schoolyard. Um, and it felt, felt great because, of course, my 
through the musical taste and uh, I guess my dad's personal occupation of being a hip hop DJ. I knew of hip hop, but um, of course, grime felt very UK. Um, so yeah, it was it was very beautiful. But for me, during that very short uh, space of time, perhaps around 13 to 16, I think grime came for me with a lot of pretense, a lot of trying to maybe match up to a, a hyper-masculine image or, you know, something that I perhaps wasn't at the time. So it was this, uh, it was this paradox, you know, it was, it was beautiful to have found some outlet, um, but also I didn't feel like I was fully uh, coming to fruition in myself, you know? Mm -hmm. And the journey for me, I guess, to start to study more, to start to understand myself more, came with isolating myself from my peers for a little while. And with that came discovering hip hop culture through the vehicle that is the internet. Um, and and that led to, you know, discovering hip hop in, in its locality, you know, discovering Northern hip hop and that's in its history there, but definitely connecting to hip hop in, in Europe, connecting to hip hop in the States and thinking about hip hop less as this, um, well, as I started to grow into it, thinking about less as a, a, a hip hop as a sort of sound of a type of music, but thinking about in its true cultural essence and what that means. Um, that's been a journey from from sort of teenagehood, uh, you know, to listening to Kid Cudi, hearing him speak openly about mental health, to discovering Tribe Called Quest, to wanting to understand more about DJ Cool Herc and the history and how it traces back to sound system culture and, and reggae. Um, it's been a long journey from teenagehood to now for me to sort of... Uh, understand myself through the through strangely through the lens of hip hop culture. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I in many ways when I tell the story of myself as a teenager, um, it's inseparable from my discovery of of art and music through the lens of hip hop. You know. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I'm very well articulated as well. You're doing a lot better than me, ladies and gentlemen. Let me just put it out like that for for real, for real. <laughs> um, so I mean. Because like you said, like growing up from the north of England, so I believe it's Sheffield is where you're where you're from. And then, as you mentioned, being mixed, similar to myself, but I'm London based. So slightly a little bit of a different side of things. So what was what was that experience? I know you've touched on it lightly, but what was your experience like being mixed and, you know, mm. in Sheffield, especially in your younger years? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's an interesting question. I got asked this question uh, recently, and I, I don't know how about uh, be uh, how you feel when you when you get asked this question, and I, I always stumble. I always I never really know exactly what to say. Um, but I, I I reflected on it when I was asked this question recently, and I I, I the thing that came to my mind was the term cognitive dissonance, um, and yeah, it, I definitely felt a sense of cognitive dissonance, and you know. I, I think that's uh, mainly uh, from being othered in the city, you know, um, either being someone who's uh, seen as something that's different or seen as something that someone to be outcast as something that's that's strange or, you know, peculiar to people. Um, or whether that's me not, not having come to terms with uh, my own identity myself and uh, not feeling like I fit in certain spaces, you know, whether that was a self... Um, uh, a self-inflicted thing or, you know, me being racialized by outer society. Um, so it's definitely been a journey, but yeah, uh, it, it's, yeah, cognitive dissonance is what I would say. And what I'm trying to, uh, and, and the place that I'm at now is, is a sort of a place of um, feeling more comfortable, you know, feeling more, feeling more human, feeling more comfortable. And um, 
I guess, studying more, understanding the, the systems of power at play um, that are closely linked, that they're inseparable from race and racism. So, yeah, it's it's been a journey. But but for me, hip hop culture uh, was was a big part of me coming to terms with that and and the study that that led to, you know. That's that's dope. And then also, can you talk about because I, I, I did uh, watch one of your interviews and it was pretty dope about how you kind of redefine home. And that kind of goes to everything you were talking about. So, you know, with mental health and growing up, can you kind of give us an idea what you define home is? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a that's a really interesting question. Yeah, this is this is also another another thing that I'm constantly wrestling with. You know, the notion of home. Um, and I, I think it's it's possibly being fed by being in the UK, uh, where you're not necessarily seen as British, um, even though you're born here, uh, you know. So it, it's definitely fed by that. But also, yeah, also my uh, my politics as they've as they've changed and grown has led for me to has led me to to feel like opposed to being attached to a place and and calling it home in a patriotic sense, you know, like Sheffield, that's my home. You know, you see people wearing that with some pride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, not to strip that pride from them. Like uh, you know, some people need need a sense of pride to in in a place to sort of uh to keep going, you know. So whatever people's survival tactics are, but 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 just on my personal journey, um I feel that I don't have a, a strong attachment to a place outside of my continued experience of a place. So, and you know, my continued ex my experience of a place is very much that my mum lives here. Is very much that my friends may some friends may live here. It's very much that I was able to perform here. You know, and and my idea is that as soon as you start to strip those things away, like let's say if my mum moved to London or moved to the states, um, mm. or my favorite venue got closed down. Sheffield doesn't necessarily seem to feel like home. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not patriotic about this this strip of land called Sheffield, though I'm very, uh, very fond of, of my experience here. And that experience feels like home. But I hope to carry that wherever I go geographically, you know? Right. And I agree uh, with you because I think that kind of ties into the wanting to be a part of a tribe as well yeah. as what's going on over, I don't know if it's going on in the UK, but here in the States, if you go to like the major cities, the mm -hmm. gentrification, like those identities, the ideologies that you grew up in love does not exist. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And what, what, and what that does to communities and what that does to, to your sense of home. Yeah. Yeah. The uprooting sort of thing. Because mm, I mean, c coming from like you said, like if I was asked that question, uh, which I do get at times, I mm. guess it's like I came to a point in my life where I had to start to dig back into history and going beyond what was taught on a school to school basis. I had to understand the journey of what my mixture was. So being the main ones is um, Grenadian, Trinidadian, Russian and, and Indian. So it's like now having to dig back in order to find out how we came to be as we are now. And then it's like you said, in a sense of like patriotism, mm -hmm. I don't really feel that even on the grandiose thing of being from the UK, because once you start to reel things back, you realize that it was man who explored the lands. And because by man exploring the lands, they then then thus created borders and then said, yeah, this is our tribe. This is our station. This is what we are. And so on and so forth. When in truth, the world didn't 
wasn't here with these border controls, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's almost like having that mixture has allowed me to sort of look at things from a grand grander aspect. But as I've mentioned before on previous pods, the problem is, is that we're too brown to be white and we're too light to be black. Mm -hmm. So even at times when you're looking for that kind of where do we really fit, where are we always going to be that miscellaneous in between is the way that I kind of look at it. But it doesn't mean that you, we still don't have a place and we're not potentially what the world will be looking like, as they said, for time, for quite a long time now, centuries to come. This is where we where we kind of fit. And that's the way that I kind of perceive the whole thing. It's like, where was I raised? UK. What do I speak? English, you know, and that's about as far as I can actually take it because on one hand, they want us there side by side with them. Yeah. You know, UK back and back and back. Them. But once there isn't any outside interference, all of a sudden now the inside comes into it. Now we're having our internal disputes. No, you're not this. No, you're not that. No, you're not whatever. No, you're not British. Go back to your, you know, we've heard it all. Let's just be, be honest with it. But anyways, that's my little, my little takeaway from, you know, what you were mentioning. So, but what, what you did mention onto as well, because it's, you know, mental health awareness month is you, you saying when you were younger as well, is that you felt that you were dealing with depression and anxiety. So more into the case of before you realized that this is what it is, how how did those feelings really affect you and what was the influences for you feeling that way whilst you were coming up yeah that's that's also a a, a tough question but yeah i really appreciate that i think hmm i think it 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 sort of felt as though uh, I was a foreign object every, everywhere I went sort of thing, you know? And that uh, naturally yeah, felt, yeah. felt sort of isolating and, um, you know, this this feeling of uncomfortability in, in sort of one's own skin and, and not necessarily just thinking about race and racism, though, of course, perhaps it plays into it, but thinking just, mm. about, um, just about how you feel in your own body, like your own physicality, yeah. um, you know, I'm thinking about, of course, the natural peer pressures that everyone faces, but feeling like the the spotlight is on you and that you constantly don't fit uh, mm. is is one is one one of the feelings I think. But um, yeah, it's it's really it's really tough for me to verbalize. Um, but I think the more I got into the in, into my craft, the more I felt a little more comfortable within myself you know and and it wasn't the solution because as soon as I came out of it I felt um I felt back back to square one however it was a beautiful thing to have that soulful escapism you know it sort of gave my uh my my mental sort of like a rest and time to rejuvenate um and then it was back to it but I guess I, I'm I guess I'm growing to try and build a life around the things that make me feel comfortable you know it's like the things that um the places that i can i can be free and i can i can express myself freely you know um but yeah it's still a journey you know i'm definitely not there mm. like in terms mm. of thinking about dealing with with depression and anxiety sometimes it can feel like a heavy burden to to carry and uh it's it's, it's definitely a process but i'm also i'm also like trying to be uh, grateful more and, and show gratitude and, and sort of like uh, be aware that there is a lot of joy in my life. Um, not to, to of course, uh, extinguish the realities of depression or anxiety, but just trying to, like I was saying, soulful realization and soulful escapism and saying, oh, this is, this is joyful. This is like meaningful. Um, and just reminding myself of that when 
my brain naturally doesn't go there, you know? So, yeah. Um, okay. And then, because now, so we'll, that's well, thank you very much for answering that because I know it's not an easy thing. We had our, the last pod that we recorded, you know, we tapped into, you know, in our case as well, mental health and the way that it kind of affects us and our emotions and such. And even me realizing how much, I suppose you're right. It's like, how, how do you really voice it without actually sitting down through various therapy <laughs> sessions and kind of peeling every single part of the onion back to be like, oh, okay, I, I kind of get it. It's how I perceive myself in the case of how the world is and what's kind of expected by the social standards and interactions of the world. So no, but thank you very, very much for sharing. So moving, moving a bit forward, because you, you definitely um, hit some nostalgia with me as well. Because back in the day when I used to, I used to be the only hip hop MC uh, in my school. Because as you say, I was, I come up through the garage age. There was like garage and then grime. And that's what most people reached onto. But my love was always with hip hop. And because of how hip hop culture also always pays homage to the funk and soul that I used to grow up to with my dad and his and the music that he used to play. But you're saying that you used to write them rhymes on the back of the bus. And have, I'm sure you had a few and the little battles between your friends and whatnot. So, because there's um there's a difference between like you said your dad being a hip hop DJ and at that time is going to be vastly different than what you're hearing in a sense of the grime. So where did you start to feel that music was your outlet to to start building yourself up again, as you said, in that case mm -hmm. of that, that creative release? Yeah, I appreciate that. I think uh, like you said, it definitely you know thinking about the music that my had that my dad had lying around definitely played a big part um sort of me experiencing him on the technics as a as a as a child do you know what i mean um i can just remember myself being waist high to the technics or maybe i'm maybe i'm imagining a photo that i've seen um so yeah definitely yeah that was definitely ever present though i don't think i ever consciously thought about it as an influence and i mean i can say the same about my mom you know my mom being somebody who delved into poetry, wrote a lot of poetry, and also always playing gospel or worship music, having that sort of musical influence, my mum singing and stuff of that nature. Though these all uh, these all were present, though I think they were way more subconscious than conscious. I think mm. when it really began is me sort of like using the internet for myself. I guess I guess not not to not to give praise to the algorithm at all, but I, the YouTube algorithm uh, in terms of <laughs> in terms of discovering hip hop. <laughs> in the states um and like wanting to delve further into the culture seems to be really helpful as a as a teenager who was like somewhat of an internet child you know sort of like, <laughs> like yeah i think my dad gave me things fall apart by the roots on cd and i was just like what maybe when i was like 13 or 14 i was just Boy. like it's like and, <laughs> this, like, uh, and, and decrypt it and um and and that just led for me further like further interest and the more i i always say that i'm a fan first and foremost you know i'm a fan of hip-hop music um and and i believe that's why i continued to write because it was like i was hearing my favorite artists and it was like oh i want to be able to do that so at the beginning there was that natural competitive nature which i may frown upon in myself like earlier on like i'm the best rapper i'm the best mc kind of uh kind of <laughs> spirit and of course it's a little delusional to think that um to think that a you know a sixteen year old in in Northern England can be the best MC when you're when you're looking at like <laughs> when you're looking at don't say that don't say that no bro that's what hip hop's about like we all think we're the greatest so you got, sure. you got your own little sure. patch of land bro you got your patch of land 
for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, that that was definitely at the beginning. But the more um, the more I delved into it, the more I saw it for, I guess, its cultural uh, fullness. And um, mm. yeah, I, I guess I, I I guess I took an approach to think like, wow, perhaps there's something that I can learn from from Blackfoot. Perhaps there's something that I can learn from Tribe Called Quest. Kid Cudi. Okay, so why is Kid Cudi sampling like this? this weird music like oh i thought jazz was just frank sinatra what is this thing that tribe are sampling and then it's like oh discovering these this the hip-hop being this portal to other worlds of art and music it's like d discovering like jazz music discovering sumra discovering pharaoh sanders learning about jazz through the lens of hip-hop culture and the same about alternative and experimental culture and i guess uh, uh, uh music and i guess thinking you know it's like me thinking that early on thinking that rock was like uh, like a white person's music and then it's like not understanding like the heritage and the history of that and then <laughs> learning that through the lens of hip-hop um, through sample culture w uh, was really like uh, meaningful to me you know that's dope man that's dope man can you also kind of talk about your influences how that helped you find your vulnerability through your voice because mm -hmm. I think they connect I think Vulnerability and voice, they go hand in hand. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so thinking about vulnerability and voice, uh, I think about that that uh, quote, I think it's Miles Davis who talks about, you know, you've got to play a lot to learn to play like yourself, if I'm not misquoting. Um, but definitely it, it took a lot of like experimentation. It took a lot of delving into the art that I love. You know, me... Uh, thinking about artists, I guess, thinking about like the artists that I discovered that came from that school of like Freestyle Fellowship, mm -hmm. artists like Open Mike Eagle, Bus Driver, uh, maybe artists like Milo and uh, for, uh, now known as Rap Ferreira, people who, mm -hmm. um, you know, they were talking about something vulnerable and they were doing it in an abstract way, in a way that I could connect to the imagery that made me feel sort of like... Um, it touched me viscerally and emotionally, you know, and made me want to study more about the actual thing that was being spoken about. Um, but it, it, it essentially taught me that uh, hip hop didn't have to be this one thing, that there was no real boundary to what you could do and you could really push the envelope. Um, so yeah, essentially delving into my favorite artists, uh, experimenting a lot really uh, led to me sort of finding my own voice and wanting to be as vulnerable as possible. This idea that, I somehow connected to this idea that, that art shouldn't be something static. You know, I think about the poetry that was in my school books or the poetry that was perhaps pushed onto me in, in, in this country. And I, I think about it as something static. I didn't want anything to do with it because it, you know, it, I didn't see myself represented by it, but also I didn't see it as moving. It was dead. It was on the page. You know, I think about Shakespeare. To me, to somebody else, it may be alive and well, but for me, it was dead. So for me, it was about finding art that felt alive. You know, to me, the, the art has a specific function, and that's to move you, to move something, to move someone in society or <laughs> vice versa, you know? So my favorite artists did that for me. They made me feel less alone in those situations that I, I was isolated in. Um... And that led me to further study and then perhaps led me to uh, create some change through my own art. And so that's definitely the creative justification, if anything, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah, well, once again, very well, well put and very, yeah, artistic, the way that you actually pictured. I can really see exactly where you're coming from because you're right. Because even me as being as a DJ and an artist, I'm, I mean, I'm literally, anything that's hip hop, I, I do. I love to dance, not break dance because... 
I ain't built like that, but I do love to dance. I do love my graffiti. I do love my MCing and I do love DJing. And now being as just a literal, just a music head, like there's so much, there's so much music offers. And even, especially in the case of hip hop, being the voice for the voiceless, it's, it allows us, as you put uh, early on today, about it being this portal to other worlds, but it's almost like you're seeing a world through someone else's perception of the way of looking at it. And I feel that you do that very much with the music that you do as well. It really does give a a broad, it's, it's really, it really is straight to the jugular. I think it's the best way to put it. It goes straight for your jugular, straight to your heart. It literally hits you like from the jump. This is what I've got to say. This is how I've got to say it. So going into that side of thing, no, no, for real, man. I mean, I'm definitely going to dive a lot more into your, your back catalogue and proper analyse what it is that you do. And actually, I might connect you with a few other people on the spectrum of stuff because I think you guys could actually do some really amazingly deep, deep dope projects. Um, but that's what we do here at High Creativity anyways, man. We're, we're a big family. We network. Amazing. But um, without me being shamelessly plugging what we do over here... Um, when you because you've you've mentioned this is what may helped you realize this is the the course that you want to go down go through in a sense of your projection of self through music because you mentioned obviously grime grime doesn't really do that i mean there isn't a lot of them the only person mcs i can really say have is gets gets for me really now especially with his latest project has always just kind of he will give you the street then he'll give you the real and he'll kind of paint you this whole picture but what what was that spark for you where you were like yeah, I've got a message. I this is the message that I want to say. And even though I'm from here, because once again, with at your time of coming up, London's the main musical hub. It's only been until the last recent years that we've now gone up, gone up north, and we're now listening to what you guys are saying. So, how did how was that process? How did you how did you flower and blossom into the artist that I'm speaking to today? Yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. Um, that's a a great question. I think. Uh, Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. You know what? I think it 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 was a lot to do with sort of how how I sort of identified. You know, like I though I am very much uh, like excited by and like have a sense of pride, and I I, I guess uh, I'm blessed to be a part of the the musical and cultural landscape that has come from the UK or that happened in the UK. I guess I never truly saw myself as like, I never put, perhaps I did, I did many times, but in my head, I never put UK before hip hop artists when referring to myself. Um, oh, okay. Even though I'm very much aware of myself being from, from the UK. You know, I, th I think perhaps it was because naturally connecting to uh, realms of art through through the internet to begin with that I that I looked upon art as this uh, sort of like cosmopolitan experience. Do you know what I mean? I found it very fascinating that um, I don't know someone from Grime from London could could really you know rep represent somebody's experience from Sheffield, but also someone from from Bronx from the Bronx <laughs> could also represent someone's. Like, I found that mind blowing, and that's mm -hmm. kind of in some ways a, a place that I got stuck in. Like I got stuck in this like uh, the the I guess the unity and the 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 ability for art to sort of translate somebody's experience between borders. And as you said, like. Empire created all these borders and drew all these lines um, and, and forced us to have all these different experiences that in, in many ways we faced a lot of the same oppression or or vice versa, you know. Um, however, uh, 
this the, the beauty that the art can sort of uh, travel and translate like that really touched me. Um, so I think I think that 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 to some extent helped because like I was I was approaching. Um, I was putting out music, I was writing music, and I I, I didn't necessarily see myself uh, as, as sort of boxed in by a local scene. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I and I think not to say that that I wasn't aware of that. Like that definitely got to me. I was aware that Sheffield has a very big uh, musical heritage based around indie Brit rock, which is mostly white, um, if not all white. So, <laughs> you know, that. don't get me wrong, like it was depressing for me to think uh, early on, like, oh, like where where are the hip hop nights? Like, are there any hip hop artists? Like, why is it just indie music? Um, but it, I think it took me like leaving Sheffield for a while, coming back to Sheffield to realize actually there were pockets of people they were incredible hip hop artists. They were inc uh, incredible, like Afro uh, futurists, uh, Afro fusion artists who were who were doing this all along. It's just that perhaps the mainstream uh, gaze didn't didn't shout about them in the same way, you know. So uh, it's definitely been a process of, of discovery, and I'd I'd like to like throw myself in 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 that part that of of artists that perhaps may not have been celebrated by by a mainstream sort of gaze, but. Uh, the way I'm seeing it is I just want to expand my archive. Like I've started to see art as a means of documenting my own existence. And I'm a, you know, a, not necessarily just as a citizen of Sheffield in the UK, but as, as somebody, as a human that existed as a fellow folk of my community, you know, and my community mm. is why because of my uh, artistic and, and, and global experience, you know? So it's, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question. I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was still not yeah yeah it did but i mean but it just was done so much more than i could kind of really break down to but yes you're right it's like if, Sorry, if I can, I, like, no i don't not apologize this is not this is not the time or place to apologize in any way shape or form we are no. here for, like but you are right it's the, the fact of is you know it's like your experience of seeing the world and then also the, your perception into it and then yeah it just helped your it helped you find your grounding to say yeah do you know what this is me. This is what I want to kind of do, because also because you also had the um, Otis uh, Mensa Exist project, which is a visual and audio compilation exploring re relationship with isolation, technology, and society, um, and also then mixing it in with your, you know, once again as we mentioned, your heritage, being from up north as well. How um what how did that project come about, and how do you feel, and how do you feel about the project, you know, now it being done, and we're here basically talking today. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. I think for um, we, we we spoke about the the concept of vulnerability a little bit, mm -hmm. didn't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. That, yeah, that that the, uh, at the start of my music was really my core driving factor. Like it was like, oh, somebody said this, and m myself who felt isolated related to what they expressed through their art. I now feel less alone. I perhaps don't want to um, engage in in other sort of self sabotage or other you know sort of self-damaging behavior because i think oh you know somebody understands like i'm not alone in this and that was a sense of community mm -hmm. even if not geographically or physically so in a social sense it was a metaphysical community and i felt less alone and i was mm -hmm. like oh i can i can create um and and continue that like heritage that that experience of community um that would be amazing um what i don't think i realized at the time is that 
a lot of my sort of a lot of the conditioning that capitalism can can do to us all was sort of intertwined yeah. in there and there was a need for ego you know i talk about needing a sense of community but really you know i wanted to be in the bright lights i wanted to get on the bigger stage i wanted to get on the next biggest magazine whatever whatever so i started to interrogate that a little bit and say well am i truly being vulnerable for vulnerable sake like is it mm. is it truly being the truest to myself or is it about appealing to more people to have a bigger reach you know so when i got to that point i started to realize that actually one of the main reasons that i'm creating at the moment is this needs to archive myself uh sort of wow. document my very experience my very existence and actually like though i had this desperation to get other people to hear perhaps if people don't hear it perhaps that's okay like perhaps it's okay for me to you know not in a patriotic sense but maybe in a physical sense stick my flag in the in the moon and say hey i was here i existed <laughs> kind of thing so that's where otis mentor exists as a as a concept came about it was like well in in the midst of this lockdown uh everything that's going on politically and socially right now how do i relate to that how do i feel about that let me just throw it in there this claustrophobia thinking about lockdown but also just thinking about how i carried that sense with me throughout mm. throughout my life how you know what what does it mean to talk about that and leave that there in this in this sort of uh multiverse that is the internet and say mm. you know floating out there who i am is floating out there so that's where always oh, meant to exist came from um it was about me trying to trying to write without any without tapping into any ulterior motive and just saying hey this is who i am sort of thing yeah man say less bro for real say less man like for real yeah man this this yeah like come um, you're definitely one of my as i say like once once the world really gets to hear it and they're, really, they're willing to listen to it yeah for real for real man that's some seriously strong messages because yeah i mean lockdowns affected us all in various many ways um myself included as you know people who listen to the pod will know like yeah the last year and a bit's been crazy but i one thing i will say is that lockdown has shown if anything to most people is what your inner workings are and whether or not you're willing to to grow on it or to even better yet to accept where you are at this point like it's okay like look we've been led down this path we're on this as you said the the multiverse of the internet but also mm -hmm. the problem with the multiverse of the internet is pretty much instantaneous you do something it has the potential to become viral and that could be anything whether it's positive or negative and that's now there in internet land for all to find out as long as the internet still exists so yeah man just once again bro i just can't just appreciate the fact of your honesty and the fact that you're willing to back to these levels that certain people don't want to but then again You've, I'm sure you're like probably like myself where we've sat a lot with ourselves and you kind of look at the case of how I am and how I interact and where we kind of go. Um, mm. But also from the stuff that was sent to my, myself as well, I'd love to say that I did this piece of research. So I'll definitely shout out Mark for sending this my way. But yeah. um, your status is Britain's first rap poet um, laureate, I believe it's pronounced for Sheffield um, oh. and what that means sort of the access into kind of literature. How... Yo, bruh, explain how you even become that. Like, well, because you're the first, so you got yeah. you're the only person with the blueprint. <laughs> so, yo. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, it's, it's been I'm an interesting title. I'm not trying to take your title, just ask you. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, you know, I, I say, you know, I've said I'm the first hip-hop poet laureate of the UK. I actually don't know. I do know, um, I think just because of stumbling online, that 
I do believe Birmingham has an incredible hip hop artist who is a poet laureate. I don't know. I don't know when that happened. I need to also check out their work. Um, but when when I did make that that claim, I did believe I was the first hip hop artist uh, who was a poet laureate in the UK. I can definitely say I was the first poet laureate of Sheffield. So that's that's at least something. Uh, explain what, <laughs> so just explain. Sorry to cut quickly. What is a poet laureate for those who wouldn't, won't even be bothered to search it up? Or spell yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> sure. um, yeah, I was also in that position. So, uh, <laughs> a poet laureate, um, I guess traditionally, um, is a poet in, in residence of a city. You know, you think about an artist in residence of a gallery or an artist in residence of a, of a musical venue. A poet, a poet in residence of the city. Or traditionally, perhaps the queen would have a poet, you know. Uh, the no. poet laureate of the country sort of thing. Um, <laughs> But yes, yeah, so, so basically, perhaps a poet laureate might be expected to write about uh, national cultural events. They might be expected to uh, represent the city uh, poetically in, a, in a, a piece of poetry, mm. vice versa, vice versa, et cetera, et cetera. But um, when I was asked to be poet laureate, it was by our uh, previous beloved Lord Mayor that, that probably a lot of you know. Um, he did incredible work, uh, Lord Mayor Majid Majid. Um, and he reached out to me, uh, you know, just on the cusp of him becoming, taking up his tenure. And he sort of, uh, for anyone who knows his politics, it's, it's uh, a beautiful uh, beginning in Sheffield his history of breaking down elitist whitewash tradition. Um, and it's about sort of connecting emotionally in order, uh, and, and on a community level as a means to real change, as opposed to how these systems mm. stifle us in, in bureaucracy. So thinking about how that relates to poetry and the arts, uh, he wanted to fly the flag for something different in Sheffield. Um, and, and I guess he reached out to me to, to present me with the idea. I went home, Googled what Poet Laureate meant, as we just had a conversation about. Um, and I decided to take on the opportunity. So it was a two-year tenure starting in uh, 2018. It ended just last lockdown, uh, 2020 October. And I passed the role on to the incredible Warder Yassin, who's, who's an amazing poet and who's now Poet Laureate of Sheffield. But essentially what it meant for me was... Um, you know, me being a hip hop artist, uh, being a poet that derived from the culture of hip hop, not being a poet that is somewhat uh, uh, well read or, uh, uh, you know, sort of like well versed on overwritten poetry. So for me, it was about carrying that that proud oral tradition of what I think pro poetry is in its true essence. And again, what I learned from from hip hop, but also what, you know, people of African heritage have been doing for, for centuries, you know. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was. Uh, you know, representing representing hip hop and saying, you know, it's not something unintellectual, it's not something unpoetic. Um, um. You know, my favorite my favorite philosophers, my favorite historians were my favorite hip hop artists. My favorite poets were my favorite hip hop artists. And flying that flag, you know, so you know, I I got the opportunity to deliver my first public lecture on on philosophy and hip hop. I got the opportunity to go into schools talk about hip hop culture or mm. or poetry that derived from hip hop culture and. It's just been a, a, a very strange but very beautiful journey from 2018. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's what it meant for me. I don't know, I don't believe we did it in the traditional sense, but we started a new tradition and hopefully it will continue to break old traditions, you know? Yeah. That's, awesome. that's what we all about. 
starting new things out here, baby. That's what I'm gonna say for real, for real. If every like you said, like things po poetry sound very stagnant a moment ago, but now you come in with them with that with them flavors and vibes. But also because you just touched on the case of your working within no man for real. Like, but um, we're giving you your flowers and your soup whilst you're here. That's what we're we're about. In fact, one of our very first episodes, we we mentioned this when we had Des Des slash stats on as well, and he's very right. Like, if we don't have the ability to to thank the creators it's always quite funny because it's even happened in the art world and not until picasso da vinci and uh, until they and leonardo until they all passed away you know at mm -hmm. one point we think they're crazy for cutting off their ear to give it to a gift for a girl like who here i like to say which man here will cut off anything to give to a girl who is this love i'm not saying they want to do that i know how the internet is i know how you people crazy, crazy. <laughs> i'm just saying it's not until now that we look back at that and we're like yo man actually what they done revolutionized where they are as people. So no mm -hmm. real talk. I just, I, I'm giving you a soup and flowers, the best way to put it. But you also, you, you, I've also saw on your IG as well. You showed a few clips when you were talking with the, I think it was one of the deans at the Sheffield um, university as well. And mm -hmm. you were having um, a conversation with another artist. I believe it was space based as well. So what was that? I mean, what was that? That experience like you know as you said you know not being someone who's so well versed or maybe that way inclined and now all of a sudden your local university is like no look we need we need this brother to come in and you know drop some gems on us sure sure uh yeah that was a that was a beautiful experience so i think i think what you're referring to is um she uh, sheffield university uh we did a we did the public lecture here in sheffield about hip-hop about uh, philosophy um yeah, nice. but I, I say public lecture like it's formal <laughs> essentially with me ranting uh, basically what i what i heard from my favorite hip-hop artists you know i was referencing speech from arrested development i was referencing you know the history of, of dj kuchert coming to coming to new york um so you know i say public lecture i'm i don't have a university degree so <laughs> you know, and i laugh in the face of their their pomposity because i'm like hey like you got me in and I do not have one of your degrees and, uh, you know, not, not to say Sheffield University themselves, but in, in general, the system of yeah, validation, yeah, 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 yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a beautiful thing for me to, to go into that space. I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, but what led to the, uh, what, what came from that is the opportunity to be uh, Sheffield University's artist in residence, uh, which myself and uh, a friend of mine called Dr. Alex Mason, um, uh, curated a series of talks called Rhyme and Reason with different oh. artists, and I was blessed enough to to talk to the incredible Open Mic Eagle. You know, so it was it was nice to to reach out to Open Mic um, and other incredible artists like Johnny Pitts um, to chat to him about about his incredible works and and stuff of that nature. So that was a blessing. It, it essentially. Um, I'm really I'm really passionate about the, the work that you guys are doing. You know this this creating a space for meaningful conversation so hip-hop is one thing but for me the hip-hop music is one thing but for me it's it's so beautiful when i see sort of like conversations coming from hip-hop culture and coming from that school of thought you know so yeah that that that's what that was and and i was really excited to do that you know that's dope man shout out to sheffield university as yeah. well but I'm like you, bro. Like real talk in the case of the the full scheme of how everything is and the amount of student debt and that vicious cycle. Look, this is what hip hop's about, man. We speak the truth, whether you like it or not. This is what we're here right. for. But 
once again, if you feel that's your course that you want to go, remember there's a purpose for you to do those things and you'll get the right support. Hope, well, hopefully get the right support. I can't speak for everyone's experience, but the same way like yourself, I never decided to go down anything beyond college. And yet I'm still probably doing more in the sense of things that I wanted to do by figuring out myself. But once again, everyone's experience is so uniquely different. And that's and that's where the conversation that's why I like having conversations with people is because you get to actually find out what your story is because I'm never going to be able to experience your story through your eyes so that's why when I listen to people's music even yours and everyone else we've had from crisis to um Izata to the whole bag of people right Raheem from the Grandmaster Flash and if you're five one of the originators in fact if he wasn't out doing his things we wouldn't be here having this conversation to begin with in the first place but really tapping into just yo what what's it been like for you man for real for real let's we'll, we'll do the promotion at the end we'll push out your stuff from there but I want to know what your experience was like and yo man once again just thanks for that and from what I caught it must have it did seem like one of those kind of conversations and no I do the same as you. I rant, as you can tell. I'm a talker. That's good. How else are you going to communicate? But I listen as well. So that's I the key you, thing of everything. I don't say I love you too, bro, man, for real. Um, but so now we'll, so with all of this mix of all of these great things you're doing, because I saw that you did some work with Calm as well. And you have your, is it, is it an NPC to call it? Or there must be a specific name for the, for the, the, the beat machine that you have. I'm not sure what it's called, but. It's a uh, Roland SP. Rolling SP, yeah, wicked. So, because obviously, like you said, I loved, I loved the first bit because I couldn't listen to the full, the full thirty minutes because I was trying to catch up with all of your other bits as well. But I do love the fact, I do love the way that you ended that first part. Like, I just want MF Doom to like my music. I was just like, <laughs> okay, cool, and also rest in power, MF Doom. I know certain people have had issues as we're speaking to um, Pavan from Foreign Beggars, so we know there's some, some stories behind the whole thing. But you know, the the work speaks for itself, really. But yeah, man, like. Bro, working with calm, you know, for real, for real. Like that's man, 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 that's that's big, bro. Especially with everything you're doing. So well, that, just... that came through through Mark. So shout out to Mark uh for, for that incredible um bridge, you know. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, well, just if you don't mind expanding a bit more on that whole experience and what made you how do you structured it and yeah, presented it to us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, technically, uh as I said, that came from Mark. Mark, uh, I think, had a, had a contact over at uh, Calm. Um, and they reached out to do sort of like a virtual live show and then curate a, a, a playlist and also have a chat uh, via, the, via their website. So that was a beautiful thing. Again, it was, uh, it was nice but, uh, for me personally on a, on a mental health level. Funny, ironically enough, it was important for me on a mental <laughs> health level because all my live shows had been halted uh in you know on the cusp of 29 uh, 2020 um so to to perform live even though it was from home to actually you know get the rolling sp out again <laughs> dust it off not that i've been using it long anyway but like just to dust it off uh, because just before the global pandemic hit i was blessed and privileged enough to um to tour with uh blue and exile so it was like after like after that, I was like, okay, I'm I'm so excited. Like I'm gonna do so much more. Like and then I had some things booked and everything sort of fell apart. So Calm was probably one of the first uh, virtual shows that I did, and it was just nice. You know, it was nice to express again. Um, 
yeah, and then life just threw me in a whirlwind from there. But I'm now trying to like pick up the pieces, piece, uh, piece by piece, you know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Shout out to Calm. <laughs> <laughs> no, shout out to shout out to Calm, and I believe they've also got a couple um, Netflix specials out there as well for the people are looking to try and catch some sleep and catch a little breath. Remember, it is essential to take a step away, despite all the creative madness that we all do. And I'm definitely one to say, like, look, when you're burnt out, take a moment out. There's nothing wrong with that. Unfortunately, we get sold the story that we need to be on the perpetual go all the time in order to grease someone else's wheels. Sometimes yeah. stop, wait a minute, breathe and focus. And if if I will say, if anything, if COVID hasn't shown you that, then boy, I don't know what to tell you. Like for real, for real, I do not not know what to tell you. But man, it's just like um, yeah, just absolutely some amazing bits. Now let's move on to your like a dog, and you actually released a couple of joints as well in um twenty twenty as well, talking about your whole lockdown experience and such. And you have tapped on it lightly, but I'm not sure if you if you want to expand on it, feel free to. In fact, yeah, let's go there as well. Lockdown, like you said, like you had your first moment with calm in order to perform live. You got chucked mm -hmm. into a whirlwind. What, yeah. what, how, how was lockdown for you, man? I felt, I felt we need to start asking that question for certain, for certain <laughs> artists now. We need to start to say, how was lockdown for you? <laughs> that's, that's very, that's, yeah, that's going to be something of the future, right? When, yeah. you know, our kids are going to ask us that or our kids' kids or whatever, you know? So that's, that's an interesting one. Um, you know, lockdown. I lockdown. I think was more uh, for me was more of a mental uh, battle um, and a mental wrestle than it was a, a a physical wrestle. I constantly had to remind myself that I'm privileged enough to have a roof over my head, um, privileged enough to have food in my fridge, and sort of you know I, I would talk about privilege, but also like feeling that sense of gratitude for that and being aware of my my place in the world, my privilege in the world right now, and and sort of in terms of lockdown. So physically lockdown was good. Mentally, uh, I was going through some turmoil, especially on uh, towards the end of 2020. Um, and, and I think that that definitely came out in the music. Um, I think it started with my writing of, of a single of mine called Breath of Life, which was the first, the yeah. first What Was Meant to Exist series. And I, you know, I say I wrote it in lockdown. I may have even started it slightly before, so I, I can't say the turmoil all began with lockdown and everything was all good before, you know. <laughs> um, but I was blessed enough to to feature the incredible um, Samuel T. Herring, uh, Hemlock Ernst, the Future Islands on that one, um, and that was a, just a nice way to like kick off the 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 series. Um, and then it just progressed, as you said we're now on like what I like to call season two or uh, chapter two of Oats Spencer Exists, which is troglodyte jazz and like a dog. So troglodyte jazz, troglodyte means uh, to be a caveman or to be somebody who's, I guess, ignorantly stuck in their old ways or can't adapt to new ways of thinking, maybe socially or mentally. Um, and that's kind of how I felt in lockdown, you know? So I felt like, yeah, I'm a caveman, but also like how people talk about this idea of, of, of adapting, but I'm a very nostalgic person and I get stuck. And, you know, everyone talks about this, mm. the, the, the true fact that everything is always better in hindsight. You know, when we look at things in the past, it always feels better. But I feel like my version of that is is sort of on like acid or something like my my past is always like glitzy when I'm missing something, when I feel <laughs> empty about something, you know, so. Mm. Uh, there was a lot of that and a lot of like wrestling with nostalgia and sort of a crippling sense of nostalgia. And that led into troglodyte jazz. Um, 
And I guess things like dealing with uh, starting therapy during lockdown, really, of my, uh, mm. I, I, I struggle with an eating disorder, sort of binge eating disorder. So a lot of that was coming out in the music and I guess trying to work through that. But what does it mean to go through sort of therapy sessions that are being sort of like, uh, disrupted and then have to go on Zoom and all of that nonsense. So, you know, it, it's been a journey. And then uh, Like a Dog came <laughs> and it was just about like that natural sense of uh, melancholy. But, but, but getting it out in a joyful way, you know, I think about blues and I think mm. some of those lyrics, that yeah. sound is so sad. It's so like uh, you could look at on it and be like depressive and and feel like it's it's dark. But actually, no. Like when it comes out, it's like joyous. Even though it does reflect on something dark, that that blue spirit, it feels it feels joyous, and it somehow elevates you um, from that situation, even if you can relate to it. So um, that's the kind of uh, spirit that I wanted to channel through, um, like a dog, you know. Mm. And touching on to that as well, uh, maybe I should have asked this a bit earlier, but I've just had such a great conversation with you. We have to, you have to come back on this when just for just a general chit chat with us as well, bro. Like for yeah. real, for real, yeah. you're more than welcome about like real talk. You yeah. need to, yeah. um, but because I, yeah, you're definitely someone who I definitely wanted my my social network of brain picking brain picking when it comes <laughs> to things. But your beat selection, because I'm I'm a beat man so i'm not gonna lie a lot of people used to cuss me for this especially in my in my little hip-hop community as well is that i would focus on the beats and the the rhythm of a flow and pay more attention to that before i would actually be able to start to dive in and listen to music and i suppose that's also what helped me um develop my djing skills but also freestyling back in the day i never used to have access to instrumental so you kind of got used to it but you have probably one of the well, my particular taste, one of the best music's backing selections verbatim. I don't think there's one of the tracks that I've heard just as yet that I can just be like, oh, do you know what? I can skip that one or I can mm -hmm. skip that one. You know, there's not saying that they're bad, but, you know, it's just like, oh, I want to oh. get to this one quick. You know, it's like you just get excited to get to what you want to listen to. Sure. So, brah, fuck, do you explain your beat selection what made you feel like this is this is what i need to spit what i'm spitting onto i mean because it marries well but yeah. i leave the floor to you yeah no i appreciate that uh yeah i really appreciate that you know there's this talk about uh uh about people being bad beat selector uh, selectors not naming any names obviously um <laughs> no, but I, I never see it i never i, I never i never realized that i never see it um and to an extent, I don't believe there's bad beat selection. Um, I, I, be, mm. I believe that everyone sort of has their like natural inclination to a certain sound or a certain uh, style. I know, like to be totally honest, right? I cannot write to certain beats. Like just nothing will happen. There's even incredible beats mm. and, and, and production that I hear and I think that is just exceptional. And I can hear other MCs on it. And I think it's amazingly put together, but I, nothing comes. Like I can listen to the instrumental for hours and nothing comes. Um, so perhaps this this is this ends up me writing less in the long run because I do most of my writing to instrumental music. Um, the music drives me. It's very like uh, everything is sort of like rhythmic centric to me. Um, so yeah, the beat always comes first. 
but yeah, I, I simply can't write unless the beat is right. Do you know what I mean? Like it, <laughs> and, but I have to, of course, pay homage to, in 2016, I had the opportunity to perform out in Berlin with this incredible organization called Poetry Meets Hip Hop. And I, I give a lot of my uh, journey to them. I give thanks to them really. Um, because at that hip hop night in, in Berlin, I met uh, a producer, and good friend of mine now called The Intern. And he took me, he was working at SoundCloud at the time. He took me to his office over in SoundCloud. I was like, uh, hey, let me show you around the studio. As I got into the studio, he had a beat of his up and he was like, hey, <laughs> let me just play your beat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coincidentally. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but you know, like he, he has a, you know, like a, a massive record collection and he has a, a, a zest uh, for understanding jazz music and and soul music, um, so me naturally starting my my musical taste and and journey of falling in love with jazz music through the lens of hip hop, uh, we just glued, you know, we just glued, and yeah, so I shout out to Intern for for a lot of that incredible production, you know. <laughs> yeah, my, 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 for real, for real, bro. Like, look, just send me, just send me some instruments you don't even want out there, so we can use them for back, backing music and such, and promotions. Like, for real, man. You make sure Uncle Juju asks for that particularly. Like, nothing that he's looking to sell, but the stuff that he's like, oh, I don't mind giving away. I mean, I mean, look, I, I know where it is. Is art. I appreciate that, always, man. Big shouts, man. Um, Ish, anything else that you wanna, you wanna ask and such before we tie up? Oh uh, yeah, real fast, King. Um, one of my frustrations is how they try to separate hip hop and poetry. To me, they're one and the same. They're the same, oh. right? Because if you think about the history of poetry and hip hop, I go back farther to let's say Gil Scott. He to me, he's a hip hop artist. Yeah. Last poet. They are hip hop artists. Yeah. You know, one of the most important albums in hip hop history is the hustler convention uh -huh. a lot of artists back in their days were influenced like on my social media page that dad is not a now i have belly mel reciting the hustler convention mm -hmm. and that was one of his influence wow so can you kind of talk about that 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 importance to let people know they are one and the same yeah that's such a beautiful point that you make yeah I think um, I was watching this this tiny clip of an interview with uh, Gil Scott, and he was saying um, he was he was talking about how people see poetry, you know. And I think he was I think he was talking about poetry in inverted <laughs> commas, you know. Uh, and he was saying something about like uh, I have people coming up to me and sort of telling me, uh, "Hey, can I recite a poem to you? Can I recite a line to you?" And uh, they recite it to him, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's deep. And uh, <laughs> he's saying, like, what he means by deep is that he means, like, he doesn't know what it means, you know? Or it's, like, mm -hmm. it's so stooped in a need for over-intellectualization or so stooped in, like, uh, a need to be clever, a need to be, like... And I, and I don't necessarily mean pushing the envelope, but, but a need to impress, I guess, mm -hmm. you know? And I guess the thing, like you said, like the thing that is so poetic about uh, Gil Scott um, is the fact that it's relatable, the fact that it's, that it's stories of a community, the fact that it's, uh, you know, and, and that is what poetry is. And I feel why people get like so um, like, like 
disrupted by the word poetry is because I feel it's, be, it's literally being distorted. The term poetry now mm. basically means in a lot of people's perceptions as, as a space where it's essentially white people reading from a book and you can't, you can't get in there or you can't relate to it or it's like Gil Scott Heron said, deep in inverted <laughs> commas. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I exactly agree with everything that you said. I think, uh, I think hip hop, the, the poetry that hip hop um, has at its core is poetry in its truest sense, you know? Mm. And yeah, I, I don't think it's uh, separable. I think it is inseparable. And, and I think thinking back to that, like, ancient oral tradition that spoken word that is what's in hip-hop that is what gil scott was doing like you said uh you know i, I can't remember i think there's a hip-hop documentary called rhyme and reason and yeah. i can't remember who says it but someone says like yeah the first the first rap you know like even one of the early raps was what muhammad ali was saying like that's rapping yeah. you know like that's 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 where the, the history goes back as far as then and i you know i think about like i think about some of the verses on like some some of the musics that existed way before sort of like uh even gil scott like uh would have brought like turntablism and and the actual beat of rapping came about like um uh, not Gil Scott, sorry, Cool Herc. When Cool Herc came oh, and brought that, yeah, yeah. Like, I even think about some of the some of the musics there. Like, it's it's so obvious that deep in 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 black culture, in black music, is this ability to to spit poetic word, which it's uh, uh, eventually became known as rapping. You know, but rapping is like you know, I'm rapping. I'm telling you what's. I'm telling you the story of my community. You know, so I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and I think people get so so wrapped up in this idea of what poetry has become, but that's not, to me, that's not what real poetry is, you know? Thanks. And shout out to Pigfoot as well, who was apparently the one of the, the originator of that kind of rhyming, taking that rhyming pattern that we're so used to. And then, then obviously the late, great James Brown, who then literally was the godfather of hip hop and soul, like verbatim. But even as we were talking about with um, Pavan from Foreign Beggars as well, like those um, Negro spirituals, as you know, as, as Ish puts it, um, you know, with us, we, there's always a way that we convey a message in some type of rhythmic sense where you think we're shucking and jiving when really we're talking a good message about mm -hmm. the whole thing. So, yeah, man, like, um, I just can't, I, I really can't give enough. Of like screaming Jay Hawkins, like to me, like he's he's like rapping, like over the over that blues guitarist, like yeah. Like, exactly. you know? <laughs> oh, and just to finish off before we before I forget, because you've actually got your new book, um, Safe Metamorphosis, where you combine your the the literature and the music together as well. So, oh, what look at that exclusive baby, um, <laughs> yo, so. You got books. He's got parts. He's got rhymes. He's got a rolling SP. I mean, what does this brother not do, ladies and gentlemen? I don't want to hear no complaints. Um, but no real talk, man. Yeah, just drop your plug your book, man. Just drop what it's all about and what you explore for it. Yeah, sure. So uh, the book is is I guess my my first journey into like written poetry, seeing how the poetry exists on the page, sort of flirting with that stylistically. Uh, the book is called Safe Metamorphosis. And to me, uh, what that meant was thinking about uh, the journeys that we go through, these journeys of transformation, but also thinking about this, the, the idea of unspoken trauma, traumas that happen to us 
that we perhaps don't express or that become socially normalized. Like I, I, I describe it as thinking about the concept of school. You know, when we're kids, we're fed that we, you know, we're, we're fed school as, as a staple. We eat school, we sleep school, we dream school. Our future is school, our past is school. <laughs> Only for it to at some point be ripped apart from us. Um, and then we're told that it doesn't necessarily matter anymore, that we have to be become, you know, a, a vehicle for profit or a vehicle for, the, for earning. So it's like, mm. what does that do to our psyche? What do those socially normalized identity building states do to our psyche when we're ripped apart from them and when we're told to suppress that feeling, you know? Yeah. So as I said, I'm a very nostalgic person. So you can imagine that it's hard for me to get over <laughs> things. Um, <laughs> that's what the book is about. The book is a collection of things that I'm struggling to get over. Um, and yeah, it's called Safe Metamorphosis. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it was published by an incredible independent publisher in, in based in London called Prototype. Um, so yeah, you can get it from from prototype.com. Um, I believe it's I believe it's prototype.com actually. Let me just double check that. Uh, That's fine. Actually, you should get them plugs, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah. prototypepublishing.co.uk. So that's spelled P-R-O-T-O-T-Y-P-E. Uh, publishing.co.uk and yeah I'm as I said I'm an independent poet so there's still mm. lots of books available I am not selling out anytime soon unless <laughs> the audience suddenly decide it's um it's it's an, an important book you know <laughs> well you bet like so no that is an important book stop saying yeah. if they think go quick get no. yourself a copy man we don't ask for much out here we haven't even put a cash app and nothing out here yet. so you can go support these artists by listening to yeah. their music and buying sure. their books and their things because I'm sure someone out yeah. That can really relate to that for sure. real for real <coughs> so unless there's anything else is you want to kind of add or is you want to say well, other than I, I, would, I would be on we would be humbly honored if you recite a piece from the book before most, we, we we drop out most definitely um but it's thank you page is yours man yeah sure uh i guess i'll perform one that uh that i know off my head and maybe one that's um, that's relevant to some of the things we've been talking about. Um, mm -hmm. This one's called Shifting Sands. Um, and it goes like this. Hmm. Actually, that's a good question. What does it go like? <laughs> <laughs> and it goes like this. <laughs> Man shakes in the cold street and asks me for some spare change. I said, pray tell I've seen myself through better days. I said, pray till I've seen myself through better days. I proclaim that I have nothing, implying that I've got something, but nothing is freedom to think, and that's a victor's trumpet. There's a child in every adult commuting. The imposter in the mirror is grueling. Every dream takes me closer to wiser, but every dream is but a dream that is fleeting. I had a dream I went to see the roots. The atmosphere was electric. Questlove played an eternal break of flavor to call out Blackfoot, who rushed the stage like a floating spirit, both hurrying and taking time in one. Tariq was draped down in a black silk cloak that covered the whole stage. The cape of sorts was embroidered with red lines that ran parallel throughout the cloth, like the blood vessels of midnight streets in Philadelphia, and his cadence, his cadence embodied revolution. Like the dreams of my youth, when in sleep I sought out validation from favored artists, I woke myself up with a croaked in a voice proclaiming, I need that. 
I was speaking of the cape. If only I could wear its skin like my own and feel what it feels to be the sound of reverence and just rest and rest in it. I had a dream I went to see the roots. <laughs> Thank you guys. That was a hybrid between uh, two poems. The two poems were shifting no, I don't care, man. That's a and, uh, Black Folk. Yo, dude. dude, what bro, I did... Uh, yeah, just, bro, that's a remix straight here. Bro, bro for real, to get the full effect, I actually closed my eyes to listen. That's beautiful, man. Thank you. And, yeah, you have and, to know. No, I even had to do that a few times. I, and I felt like I was listening to like a young Gil Scott. I, I ain't lying. That's facts. That like, is an honor. Thank you so much. Gil Scott, man. It was just wow. powerful. It was deep. I felt the emotion in your voice. Because, you know, I write poetry too. So I, I can relate. You yeah. do too. We can relate that. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Well, Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. Bro. That's truly, truly appreciate that. So before we finish, man, plug yourself, man. Where can everybody find you? Where can they, they can get at? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me a part of this. I really appreciate you guys offering the space and, and your time. It means a lot. And um, for anyone who's been listening, you can you can check out the work at uh, www.youtube.com slash Otis Mensa. So that's spelled O-T-I-S-M-E-N-S-A-H. And I got the whole Otis Mensa Exist series on there in full effect with the animations. And, um, yeah, and, and, and if anyone's inclined to support you know, a, a, a follow on on Spotify does does a lot, but also if you if you're intrigued to buy the music on Bandcamp, uh, I would never say no to that. So that's Bandcamp. Uh, .com. So yeah, thank you guys so much. Yeah, man, for real. Thank you for joining us today, then, Mister Otis Mensa. Like literally, pure king already established. So it ain't no making out here. Like I don't, I don't like to hype many, but I will be honest. Like especially born and bred from this side of the pond, also being a fellow mixed individual we know what a struggle is like we've got our own and just know thank you very much for your time there young king so if you stay in tune to this very moment in time make sure you like comment subscribe ring that notification bell we need to get the subscribers up on the i'm hip-hop channel man where else are you gonna get this this is pretty much like a live virtual conversation slash article where we dive into people and places and everything really and then we're going to start moving over as we said to the high creativity channel just with our general chit chat podcast and i'm going to create in a brand new all sorts of content talking to small businesses i'm, I'm actually looking to do like talks with my cousin because me and him break down a lot of stuff we end up talking for like near three four five hours i'm not sure people will listen for that long but yeah the stuff we talk about is that real integration and on that struggle as such but once again always all blessings to you there king to everybody else peace love and all that good stuff one